Amen. Thank you, Ashley and team. It's good stuff, isn't it? Amen. I have a green piece of paper. Do you know what green means? Yeah, green, green, green. This Friday night at midnight, glory, hallelujah. Uh, so next Sunday will be different. Um, you do not need to pre-register for church next Sunday. Woo. <laughs> Uh, this room will have more chairs in it and hopefully more humans, and uh, that'll be exciting. And if you know, uh, you know folks who, who a little invitation would go a long ways, invite them back. If people choose to continue to watch online, hello online campus, we love you. If you choose to continue to watch online, certainly we understand that. But we're looking forward to getting back together, and uh, so that's, that's very cool. Uh, kids check-in will be back to normal uh, next week. You'll check in your kids like we used to, um, so that'll be good. If you're more comfortable wearing a mask next Sunday, that, that's, that's cool. We understand that. Wear your mask. That's fine. Some will, some won't, and it'll all be good to the glory of God. Amen. Amen. Okay. So we're, we're pumped about that. <sighs> good morning. How are you? Everybody doing good? Welcome to Cross Point. If you're new here, I am too. And uh, my name is Tim, and I'm your interim lead pastor, and I'm pumped to be here. Several weeks ago, John Sherwood and Stephen Thomas and I had a Zoom meeting to discuss the summer series that we're in, and it was John Sherwood who uh, brought forth this idea of identity, which led us to call it identity theft. And so um, Sherwood gets all the credit for the series and the Holy Spirit. And uh, I'm constantly amazed at how God leads us to the right text on the right Sunday um, for the right people. You're not here by coincidence. Um, this is almost 30 years of ministry for me, and I'm just constantly amazed at the providence of God and the hand of God putting all of this together in ways that, that we never could. And uh, each week in this series, there have been people who have said, boy, that was just for me. That, that was exactly what I needed to hear. And there will be someone at least or several here this morning, you'll feel like, like, like I've been reading your journal or something like that. And it's, it's truly got nothing to do with me. Um, it's the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and Sherwood. So anyhow, that's, uh, that's uh, pretty cool um, how God does that. Week one, we looked at Moses and how his decision to kill an Egyptian took him far away from his identity, who he was in Christ or supposed to be. And, um, and God met him in a burning bush and gave him back his identity. Then last week, we looked at Joseph, who had his identity taken from him by the people closest to him. And through an intense series of ups and downs, God gave him his identity back, and it literally saved many relationships and many lives. And today, we're going to talk about David, King David, the boy who was brave enough to face a giant with a slingshot but couldn't defeat a giant named Lust. 
and found himself far away from his identity. I remember as a teenager leaving the house to go out with friends on a Friday night. And just as I'm headed for the door, my mother would say, remember, sin will take you further than you want to go and cost you more than you want to pay. Have fun. <laughs> and that would, that would replay over and over and over and over again. It still does. We did a series here years ago called Guardrails. And guardrails are the decisions that, that you put in place. You, you make these decisions and you put them in place and they are to keep you from going places that you know as a child of God, you are not meant to go. There's, there's nothing good on the other side of the guardrail. Like, like the, we don't just put up guardrails for no reason. The guardrail is there to keep you from going, you know, into something, into something bad. And so the guardrails are decisions that, that you place so that when you bump up against a guardrail in your life, the guardrail will serve as a matter of conscience for you. And you'll be like, oh, I, I don't, I don't want to go there. I'm not supposed to go there. I need to, I need to back off of that. There are, there are places that, that, you can go, it's legal for you to go, but you know you're not supposed to go there, right? You know this, you know that when I go there, nothing good happens. There are people who you hang out with who you're not yourself when you're around them. Maybe even someone's told you, you know, you know whenever we're with them, you act differently. You're not yourself when you're with them. You lose your identity. There are, there are things that, that you could have, but they're not for you. They're, they're, not, they're not yours to have. They're, you're not supposed to, to have them. And so you put guardrails in place, decisions that you make. So when you bump up against it, it serves as a matter of conscience to you. And, and you make a better decision. It was Pastor Rick Warren who said, you make your decisions and then your decisions make you. Well, isn't that the truth? We're, we're a product of our decisions, aren't we? And we teach this to two-year-olds. You, you teach two-year-olds. Don't do that. And let me tell you what will happen if you do that, right? You teach this. These are called consequences. And uh, don't touch this and don't do that. And here are the, here are the consequences, but over time, we learn that our decisions don't just affect us. Our, your decisions affect a lot of people. Like if you hear someone say, well, the only person I'm hurting is myself. You know, baloney. It's, it's just, it's simply not true because we, all, we live in community with others. And our decisions affect everyone. For instance, if, 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 if together as a group... We decide that we're going to leave this room today and we're just going to do whatever the H-E double hockey stick we want to do. Like this week, we just leave here as a group and we just make all the bad decisions, or the worst decisions that we can possibly make. Will that affect us? It'll affect us all. Like that will affect us as a church. And, and the opposite is true. If we all leave here this week 
and say, I'm, I'm just going to put the guardrails in place and I'm going to make decisions that honor God. Would that affect us all? Like we'd be unstoppable. Like we would come in here next week just, just ready to blow the roof off this place so your decisions matter. Now, if you're not familiar with David's story, it is another huge, epic, massive story in Scripture that, that covers a lot, of, a lot of chapters, and we're just picking up a few pieces of it today. He's Israel's king. He's God's chosen leader. Uh, like we said about Joseph last week, David is a type of Christ in the Old Testament. He's, he's one of the ways that we see Jesus in the Old Testament. His life points us to the Messiah in many ways. David was a shepherd from Bethlehem. And he rose in favor with God and with people. He had his accusers. He had people who wanted to kill him. And, but as king, he seemed to have everything isn't it true that, that all that we have in life, all that we've built in life can be lost in one decision? You, you can make a million good decisions and lose it all in one bad decision because character, character is who you are when no one is watching, isn't it? So 2 Samuel 11 tells us the story of David and Bathsheba. And there's a clue in the very first verse there's a clue that, that tells us something, something is not right. David is not where he's supposed to be. 2 Samuel 11, verse 1. In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. So we're supposed to see, there's a clue we're supposed to see David is not where he's supposed to be. He's supposed to be in the battle. And he's chosen to take himself, to remove himself out of the battle. He's not fulfilling God's call for his life or God's purpose for his life. He's delegated his responsibility. And nothing good happens when you and I step out of the will of God. That's the first clue. When I'm when I'm not where I'm supposed to be, when I'm not doing what, what God has called me to do, when I, when, I, when I step out of that, when I step out of the will of God, nothing good happens. And, and I've been there. I, I know this feeling. I know it. You know, I, can, I, I know it. You, you know it. I've had that feeling in my gut that, man, I'm supposed to be out in battle, but I, I, I'm, I stayed home. I'm in my comfort zone. Times when you just knew you weren't where God wanted you to be and nothing good happens. She wasn't doing anything wrong. She wasn't doing anything wrong. If you, now, if you go home this afternoon and bathe on the top of your house, uh, you will be on live at five. <laughs> you will get drones and helicopters and CNN in your driveway. But this... This is a thousand years before the birth of Christ. Homes were stone, uh, dirt, maybe square, maybe, maybe round. Um, and it, it was perfectly normal to, to bathe on the upper level of your, of your home. She's not an exhibitionist. She's not looking for trouble. We don't know a lot about her. She does ultimately become the queen mother of Israel. 
We can draw a direct line from David to Jesus, and she's on that line. But knowing, knowing that her husband was away at war and being summoned to come visit the king must have turned her stomach in knots because her life was about to change. Any beautiful young woman knew what it meant when you were summoned to visit the king. The king has called for your presence. And nothing about this is right. Everyone knows this is wrong. And David does not have the guardrails in place. If he did have the guardrails in place, he just chose to, la, 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 I'm not listening, la, 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 boom, right over, right through the guardrails. He probably knows when she is bathing and accidentally, whoops, just happens to be looking in her direction. And he's overcome by a giant named lust. And it's evil. And he knows it's wrong but he does not care. She becomes pregnant with David's child. David sends her husband Uriah to the front line of battle where he is killed, and that's murder. He's murdered by another one of David's bad decisions. The child dies. And David is confronted by a prophet named Nathan who looks into the face of the king and says, you are guilty. Now, in that, that moment, that, that split second, when Nathan looks into the eyes of David and says to him, it's you, you are guilty. David is faced in, an, in a split with the biggest decision of his life. And the biggest decision of David's life is this, who will I serve? Am I going to serve me and whatever I want? I'll take whoever I want. I'll summon whoever I want. I'm the king. I'm living large. I don't have any guardrails. I'm just going to do whatever pleases me. Is David going to serve that king? Who is he going to serve? Will I serve my lust? Will I serve my temptations? Or in that moment, in an instant, Will I serve my God? Will I serve my creator? The one who has blessed me with the very breath in my lungs? Now, you'll have a lot of big decisions in life. Life has a lot of doozies, a lot of big decisions. You know, what will I do for a career? Uh, where will I live? Where will I go to study? Uh, who will I marry? Um, you know, those are, those are, those are big decisions. You'll never make a bigger decision than who will I serve. That's, that's the big one. That's the doozy. That's the, that's the biggest decision you'll ever make. Who will I serve? Am I going to serve me? Or am I going to serve Jesus? David, when David could have killed Nathan, like when Nathan says, you are guilty, David could have said, could somebody... Could somebody please come get this guy? He's so annoying. <laughs> like, could you just take him? And, and that would have been the end of Nathan. But he didn't. He didn't try to justify his decisions. I, I do that. There's times in, in my life, I'm speaking about me, 
when I want to do something and so I will go through all sorts of theological gymnastics in my mind until I've convinced myself that it might be wrong for others, but it's okay for me. I've even, I've even judged others for, for things that I've said are okay for me because, because my situation's a little different. You ever do that? No? I'm the only one? David didn't do, do that. In an instant, gang, in an instant, he chose repentance. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 13. Then David confessed to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan replied, yeah, you have. <laughs> yeah, you have. But the Lord has forgiven you. And you won't die for this sin. It's, it's in one instant, I have sinned. And in another instant, you're forgiven. I have sinned, you're forgiven. It's not like, go away and do this and, you know, do all these other things. And, you know, maybe someday, you know, you'll crawl back in. No, 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 no. It's, I've sinned, yeah, I've confessed it, and you're forgiven. It's beautiful. This is, this is the prodigal son. When, when he comes to his senses, he realizes, my life is, is literally in filth. What, what have I done? I must return home to the Father. A long life of bad decisions can be redeemed in an instant when you turn your heart back to the Father. This is the thief on the cross. The thief on the cross, when his, when his eyes are open and he's like, you're, you're the son of God. Will you forgive me? When he sees who Jesus really is and he asks for forgiveness. This is Matthew, the tax collector, when he invites Jesus into his home for a sinner's party. I love it. This is the woman at the well when she meets a man like no other man she has ever met before. And she sees him as the son of God. This is the adulterous woman dragged out of bed and thrown into the street to be publicly shamed and put to death for her sin until she is rescued by grace. And whether it's one decision that has taken you away from your identity or years of decisions that has taken you away from your identity, it is all erased by grace in an instant when you turn your heart to God. And, and that could be speaking to people here this morning, probably is. Whether it's one decision or a lifetime of decisions, if you bring that to Jesus and say, I'm, I'm guilty, it's me, and I'm sorry, and I repent, it is erased, it is forgiven, it is gone in a moment. In that moment, David owned it. He repented, and Nathan replied immediately, the Lord has forgiven you. You will never get a better offer than the grace of God. You, you might get some good offers in life. Life might present you with some great opportunities, but you'll never get a better offer than the grace of God. I can literally bring all of my whatever you want to call it, junk, garbage, what a life. And I can lay it down at the feet of Jesus. 
and he will, he will wash me clean. Did we mention there's a baptism on August the 8th in the Nashwalk? And you can, we would love to celebrate with you. It's not too late to sign up for that. And we will celebrate lives who have been transformed by the grace of God as they are, as they are buried in the Nashwalk, right? And the symbolism of that, it's an outward demonstration of an inward transformation. And you're just saying, as Jesus died on the cross for me, I'm going down. I, the old me is going down. And it is being washed by the grace of Jesus Christ covered by the blood of Jesus, and I'm going to come back up as a brand new creation. I've got new life in Jesus Christ. <laughs> Not, nothing fires me up like a baptism. August 8th. Did we mention it's August 8th? And it's not too late to sign up for that. We, um, we don't like to talk about repentance and sin um, and things that, that take us away from who we were created to be. Kind of like root canals or I'd rather chew on tinfoil than, you know, talk about some of these things or bath a cat. I'd rather bath your cat, um, bathe your cat. Um, but we need it, don't we? Like it's not, you know, it's not like I look forward to talking, you know, about these things. But, but we need it. It's good for us. We need it. We need the Holy Spirit to show up just like Nathan, to show up. And confront us lovingly with our sin. Now, one of the ways that David responded to his sin and his repentance and God's forgiveness was he wrote a song. And we don't have the original music that it was put to, but we have the words. And um, it's Psalm 51. This is David's song about... Uh, about what we've been talking about this morning. Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sin. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. If you're like me, you're good at seeing it in everybody else. <laughs> I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I've done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner, we all were. I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. Purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. I love the, the, the wording there. Make, make me willing to obey you. 
Then I will teach your ways to rebels, and they will return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God who saves. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. You do not desire a sacrifice, or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. And then 17, this is our key verse this morning. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, oh God. He won't reject you. You won't reject a broken and repentant heart, oh God. What does God want? A broken spirit. A broken and repentant heart. David is king. I mean, David has everything, and he literally could have offered God anything. God, what do you want? Do you want a palace? Do you want land? Do you want festivals? Like, like what do you want? David lived in the time of, of burnt offerings and burnt sacrifices, um, where they literally shed the blood of animals to atone for their sins. David could have had the barbecue of all barbecues, right? It could have been epic. David could have called an assembly of all the people and, and he could have told them the story and said, we're all going into a year of, of prayer and fasting. He could, have, he could have done that. But David had the wisdom and the, the contrition to know that what God wanted from David was David. And what God wants from you is you. A sacrifice without repentance is just a barbecue. A broken spirit is one that is open to the healing of the Holy Spirit, the healing power of God. Just simply saying, God, would you, would you break open my, my pride? Would you break open my, my running, my hiding, my posing, my sin? Would you break through that, that veneer in my life? Break my patterns of this world and my proneness to wander. Kill the old man. Nail him to your cross. David's words from Psalm 51, blot out my stain, wash me, Purify me. Give me back my joy because, because sin robs my joy. You're not you when you, when you drift away from, the, from, from where you're supposed to be. Renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart. These are the words of brokenness. And what God wants from you is you. What God wants from me is me. You don't just wake up one day and say, I think I'm going to ruin a bunch of lives today. I, th I, th I, think, I think today I'm just going to mess it up royally. Like I'm just going to, I'm just going to you know, destroy a whole bunch of lives. I, that doesn't happen. You get there slowly. You, you make a lot of decisions that lead you up to your guardrail, if you have a guardrail, and then you choose to just ignore the, the sign that says guardrail and... You drift away 
from the heart of God. And we, we, nothing good happens when we drift. We need, don't, come on, let's be honest. Don't we need our hearts constantly aligned with the heart of God? It's, it's one reason why gatherings like this are important weekly. Come in weekly for your alignment, right? Get my heart aligned with the heart of God because, man, six or seven days can make a week, can't it? W-E-A-K. It can, it, and we come back and we get aligned with, with, with God. I love this, uh, I love this next part. David, David did not end his life. We don't remember David as a chaser of women. That's not what he's known for. We remember David as a man after God's own heart. Isn't that great? The redeeming, transforming power of God to, to take any life. You are not who you've been. You are not who's, who Satan tells you you are. You are not your sin. You can come back today. It can all be erased and forgotten and washed clean, and you can be who you were created to be in, in, in Jesus' name. And so David gets his identity back. He's not David, the chaser of women. He's David a man after God's own heart. And there is no sin in this room. There is, hear this gang, there is no sin in this room that cannot be redeemed, healed, and forgiven by the grace of God. Let's pray together. Lord, God, you are good. As we've said, it's, what, what has happened in this room this morning is, is something that you saw long before any of us thought we had come up with a good idea. This is, this is your hand, your providence. You brought this word together, the text, the songs, uh, and, and each heart that's here and those who are watching online. You, you brought this all together for this very moment when we would choose, who am I going to serve? Is he Lord of my life? When we choose to uh, invite your Holy Spirit to come and forgive us and wash us and make us clean and make us who we are meant to be, in the name of Jesus, amen, amen. Um, Ashley's going to lead us in another great, great song. And I invite you to respond um, with, with humility and honesty to the Holy Spirit as we sing this song. Um, we, we, you know, we're, we're, we don't have the altar time like we used to and things like that right now. But you can, you can kneel at your chair. You can just hold your hands out to the Lord this morning and receive his grace and forgiveness. Uh, you could pray with someone else in the room. Uh, Pierre's going to stay, stay behind after the service if anyone wants to pray with him. And uh, let's, just not, let's just not leave here without doing uh, the business that God wants to do in our lives. Amen.